Well, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. I am Tyson Popplestone, and the bloke who we've got on the show today is an absolute treat. He's um, I'm claiming him as a good mate of mine. Whether he whether he feels mutual feelings, I don't know, but he's my good mate. I'm not sure if I'm his good mate. He's my good mate. He's is the balanced runner. His name's Paul McKinnon. I heard of this bloke uh, a couple of months ago when he. Here's the thing: distance running has got a weird reputation around the subject of technique. I feel like other sports sometimes appreciate the importance of an effective, smooth technique a lot more than distance runners do. Anyway, I heard some people that I really respect talking about the improvement on a number of athletes' techniques. So I looked into how these guys were making the improvement and as a result, making the improvements in their performance. And I found this bloke, the balanced runner. He has been a mover and shaker in the technique scene for seven or eight years now. And it's really interesting just to pick his brain about what it is that he's doing, how it is that he's making these impacts, what it is that he's changing in an athlete to allow them to move more efficiently. It's a message that I'm passionate about getting out to the public, especially with you guys in love with the sport of distance running, because obviously if we can help reduce the injury that you guys are getting and build the consistency and also build the efficiency of your running technique and we can get you running faster for longer, why wouldn't we do it? So I sat down with the great man Paul McKinnon today to pick his brain on all things running technique and also just have a good chat. He's a we start off the first ten minutes just having a, a, a bit of a bit of banter. He is he this is the funniest start to a podcast. So my computer screen often faces a mirror which reflects into our kitchen and my wife decided to try and be sneaky and she sneaked into uh, snuck into the kitchen in her undies and got sprung. So if you're wondering what the heck is going on at the start of this podcast, where Paul goes, hey, did your wife just walk past in her undies? That's exactly what happened. It was, a, it was a fantastic way to start the show, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Anyway, that's enough out of me. Guys, um, this show is brought to you by Rundy's Undies Athletic Underwear. If you haven't got a pair yet, what are you doing? I've told you about them already. They're comfortable. You'll love them. There's no other undies that I run in anymore. These are my go-to. Relax running. Members get 25% discount on any purchase when they go to rundies.com.au. Socks, crop tops, briefs, G-bangers, whatever you need in the underwear department, they've got there for you. So make sure you enter the coupon code RELAXEDRUNNING, all in capitals, 25 on your purchases. If you want to find Paul McKinnon, the balance runner, he's all over Instagram. You'll find him. Just type in the balance runner, mate. He pops up. He's the best looking bloke out there. And don't forget, if you feel like you could do with a little bit of assistance in your technique, and the truth is we all could, reach out to Paul. He's um, doing live sessions again in Melbourne. If you're overseas, interstate, no stress. He does it all via Skype as well. There's actually some great examples on YouTube of him doing it with a bloke called Triathlon Taron who has a big YouTube. He's a Canadian bloke. So if you want to get a bit of an idea about what that might look like, jump onto YouTube, type in Triathlon Taron. All right, guys, enjoy this show with me and Paul McKinnon. Just walk past in her underwear. <laughs> 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 Paul goes, he goes, did your wife just walk past in her underwear? Oh, God. <laughs> nice to meet you. Here you go. Yeah, this Hi. is this is Paul. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Mate. Congratulations. Congratulations on the child. I got headphones in. He goes, congratulations on the child. He goes, your ass looks fantastic oh, as well. Gosh. <laughs> it does. 
Good for someone who's just had a, a baby. Fantastic. Well done. Kudos for someone who's just had a baby. Babe, this mirror just here. Just go. Do the bloke a favour. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, you shut the fridge as well, can you? Man, it's it's so funny the amount of times I do this podcast and Jessie goes to me uh, just before she walks out of the room, she goes, can anyone see me? I go, I don't think so. I think you're fine. And that's the first time she's been sprung. I'm so glad I got that on camera. I reco- I started recording as well. Oh, brilliant. That's awesome. <laughs> what a way to kick start. Wait, should we, just, um, should we just rock and roll? Should we just go for it? Yeah, man. Yeah. Bro, I, don't know, I, don't know you wanna, I don't know what you want to talk about, but let's do it. Bro, we'll, we'll put this one out to the, the – I thought last time we caught up, we, we just put it out to the members, but I thought, no, nah, we'll we'll chuck it out to the to the main crew at the moment because um, you're a popular man in the running world, so I thought we've got to give the people what they want. No, that's, that's nice of you. Thanks. Wait, do you know – she's been at a, a popular topic of conversation the, last week because I had her on the podcast. Do you run a bit with Lydia O'Donnell? I haven't run much with her, but I do know I spoke – so I speak to her regularly, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because uh, she, she mentioned a couple of things. She said she was living in Kew. She does a bit of work with Hunter. And I think, hey, I reckon you tick both of those boxes. And then oh, yeah. I, I said to her, um, I go, oh, well, we should catch up because you're obviously, you've moved here from New Zealand. Um, you don't have a heap of friends or whatever. And then she started talking about the people she runs with. I go, hang on a second. Like, we need to catch up just based on the fact that you could introduce me to a few people. She's got way more yeah. mates than me. And I thought, mate, yeah. I, bet you're already, uh, I bet you're already friends with her. So I'm going to have to... um. I was going to have to try and just intrude on your group, so I had some mates to run with. But apparently, no, please uh, do. <laughs> please do. I, no, she's she's great. Like she'll run with um, different people every day, almost. Like just to kind of, I think that's part of the routine or the the variety for a routine as well. It's a small world, man. That's so funny because I I hadn't spoken to her for about ten years or whatever, and then I spoke to Jess Chengove on here the other day, and she mentioned Lydia's name, and I was like, bloody, there's a blast from the past. I thought there's no way she'll remember me, so I got in touch with her. Anyway, long story short, Popplestone Effect, of course she did, came on the podcast, um, and it was good to catch up. But I thought she was still in New Zealand. So when she said she was in queue, I thought, mate, we've got so many uh, we've got so many famous faces near me, I'm going to have to make more of an effort to get out for a coffee with these people. But it's good, to see, it's good to see your face again. It's, um, ironically, yeah, yeah, I haven't spoken to you since we went out for a hit of golf, which I'm trying not to take personally. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't help but think you were a, a harsh critic of my golf, golf technique. Oh, look, I wouldn't say harsh. I'd say beginner. <laughs> I'd say novice. Novice. Novice is a better word than beginner, I think. Um, no, I like it. It's all right. No, good. I think, all right. I think that the thing that you forgot when we were rocking up and you were, you were telling the stories is that I like that used to play hockey, and whilst they're different swings, you can still felt the ball. Like, you know, you're still hitting a ball. I was very disappointed because um, I, I have a feeling, like, in true – my fashion. I might have been talking a big game before we got there, and then I got there, and we were we were parked next to two blokes in the driving range, and obviously we had the the shed. I would like to say on the horizon, in the distant horizon, beyond <laughs> the average man's golf swing. And uh, anyway, the three of you hit it, and I reckon I kept pulling up about a hundred meters short, which, <laughs> which is quite humbling. So after that, I thought I'm going to have to start eating my wheat bix. So next time we go out, I can hit that. I can hit that um bloody that shed. But I went out for a round of nine holes with my mum about a week after that, and shot sixty eight. Which was um, probably more humbling than not hitting the shed. So I've I've just put parked the clubs in the garage for a little while. Well, as the stage four came in, a good timing for you, where you could just say, oh, I can't play. Sorry, guys, I just can't play. Now, look, in 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 your defence, you weren't talking a big game. You were talking a big game about your a brother-in-law or a mate of yours who ah. who used to work with um, like a golfer, and and you said, oh, he came out, and he's you know hitting the top of this 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 shed every now and again. I was, I was like. I don't know how far that is. And then, yeah. So you weren't saying, oh, I'm, I'm a really golfer. You were saying my mate can hit a big ball. So just 
in your defence there. And in, thank you for covering that. And in, um, in my defence, that shed was about 70 metres away. <laughs> yeah, I was hitting it with a pitching wedge. I don't know what you were doing with your driver. Yeah. Oh man, before we started recording, you you just just for the people um, who who have seen your Instagram, they might have a couple of questions about your haircut before we get into to running and stuff. I I am a fan. I've given you. I thought I was giving you a compliment, saying you look like Jordan Degoe. You quickly uh, told me to retract that comment, which I have. Um, but what's that? That's just the ISO. That's just the ISO boredom haircut. Yeah, a little bit. It was like, well, I can't get a haircut, and I'd never done, I'd never bleached my hair before in my life. You know, I feel like I, I'd done a good job to uh, to hold off from doing it since March. So I got into I got into the start of September. So it was a good six months before I did did have a crack or I did find my wit's end. But yeah, just sort of have a go. Did it at home by myself. Thought it was not a bad job. Thought it wasn't a great <laughs> job. I did have look. I did have to do it a second time because it was a little bit gold and brassy, and I was looking at it going. Jesus, I look like Cameron Ling here. I think I need to go a little bit. I need to go a little bit lighter. Um, so yeah, I, I did do it a couple of times just to make That's sure. So it was okay. I told you, you'll piss yourself at my haircut. I've been growing my hair for about the last six months. There's no blonde, but it's just a mop. That I, I the reason I've got a hat on is because of what you're looking at right now. Is that a wig? Yeah, it may as well be. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, good. yeah, it's good. Oh, uh, yeah, Jesse. You've just caught Jessie in her undies, and she's going to be more embarrassed about the fact you've just seen my hair. Yeah, and, uh, I couldn't believe it. was like a little flash pass. I thought, hang on. I'm just so glad you called it. I reckon so many people <laughs> would have just let it slip and pretend they didn't see it. No, you can't. Not, like bad, that. not a bad no. sight. See, to I be fair. Yeah, well, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I don't feel like it's a little out of place. I can call it out. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I feel like it's probably worse if you just not say anything and go, oh, I'll look away and then get all weird you said about it. it. I'm no. so glad you said it. So I had something. Yeah. She's, she's piping up in the background right now going, oh, babe, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. This, <laughs> this is going to be the trailer. Oh, here we go. My post-baby body. There we go. That's what she's she's just yelled out, which is, I think, a subtle brag. I thought you must have adopted. <laughs> he reckoned we must have adopted. Anyway, mate, what an introduction to this podcast. It's, yeah, it's apparently a running podcast, and here we, yeah, and here we, we are. Not, I don't think we've spoken about running yet, have we? Nah, nah. So what's, um, what's the last couple of uh, – man, I'm, I'm a little bit – I don't know how you're feeling. I'm a little bit over the COVID talk, but I feel like you can't help but when I haven't seen you for the last few months, it's hard to, to not ask the question, how's, how's everything been going in the, in the last few months for you? Because it's, it's been an eventful interest – well, maybe eventful is the wrong word. It's been an interest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of eventful. <laughs> Um, look, for me, like much like a lot of, I think it's not a unique story particularly, but it's, it's, and it happens at different times. Like, you know, that kind of roller coaster of, of getting motivation to do things to, to, to the, to the other end of the roller coaster where you kind of then get in those flat spots for a few days and, and, and being able to just kind of roll with it and not, and not get upset or excited about either end of it. So particularly when stage four hit so not too long after we probably last caught up um uh like i've been working i've been being able to do the face-to-face stuff um after the initial six weeks you know starting in march i didn't work then but then when everything sort of started to settle down a little bit i was working up until that point so as soon as stage four hit i was it was, was pretty quiet like went to the online so i was still doing online but you know that's not getting out of the house at all um so trying to kind of build that a little bit more and yeah, and then even things like even stuff like you know exercise and running. Being able to do the one hour was great, 
But then I started to do, okay, well, what if I start doing some, some more strength stuff? Because I hadn't done that for a while. And I just kind of built back up to getting a good you know, six days a week of running and, and feeling pretty happy about it. And then I had my back doing some weights. So about two weeks in the middle of that eight weeks, I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything really. Like I was, I was, I was, I was, I was all been, you know, I, was, I was upright. Like I can't even remember. Um, so that was pretty rubbish as well. And and you know, sedentary lifestyle sitting around and you know, probably drank a couple too couple too many beers. So I started running back up again two and a half weeks later and went, oh dear God, that's that's really really affected. So like everything, it's, it's almost like a a small lifespan within that eight weeks of so many different ranges of health emotions thoughts you know work life it's, yeah 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 it's interesting time it's, it's actually it's funny that yeah you just touched on a couple of things about not getting too caught up on the like the highs and the lows that come at sort of either end of that spectrum but and i remember i was sort of disappointed last time we caught up because i reckon once we hit pause on the podcast i reckon we probably chatted for about half an hour which was just as enjoyable it always seems to be the case you hit pause and then some more good stuff comes up in the conversation but um the idea of of i'm really interested in how people are dealing with the like you know the highs and the lows as you mentioned in this period of time especially athletes with the you know the the range of events and stuff that they should be training for and um I, to be fair they've probably got the the lighter end of the spectrum in terms of um you know you just can't do your sport rather than you're, you're not having an income or you you know you're not able to get out and see your friends and family and stuff like that but um did you like was there any particular strategies and stuff that that really help you out because i don't want to project or just assume that you're so melbourne that this is what you're doing but it sounded like a true meditator's comment to hear someone talk about the not getting too attached to either end of the emotions oh yeah no yeah like i certainly weren't certainly wasn't meditating <laughs> um and, and not <laughs> not that i shouldn't have been <laughs> i think i think it's probably touching on that that half an hour chat that we had after we kind of closed off the, the the podcast last time was probably the life experiences that i've had leading into into that have been quite broad with you know goods and bads so I guess that kind of spotlight that I can sort of see is quite broad and, and, and what we were doing whilst, you know, pandemic is outside of that spotlight, never experienced it. The emotional, uh, the emotional turbulence, probably the best way to put it, fits well within that. So being able to, you know, probably lucky enough to have experienced um, some of that turbulence previously and understanding how I can best deal with it. Um, rather than, you know, when, when it's the first time there is fear, there's uncertainty about it, and so you don't know how to deal with it. Like, well, mm. what are my coping mechanisms? So probably going through um, quite broad and, and, and large emotional um, or, yeah, having to deal with those kind of those, those peaks and troughs previously probably just helped, I think, um, and, and, and understanding that it takes days to get through or it takes time to get through and, go through even the good bits is you know it takes time and, and and there will be the other side to it as well and and not getting too caught up when it does you know come back down that other side so i think it's probably just an, an, an experience side of thing you know i am i am old so i think so well how old are you 30, <laughs> 38 or 9 38 yeah yeah but you know i i, I figure i turned 38 while we're in isolation so that one doesn't count so i turned 38 <laughs> yeah you know, like i feel like everyone gets a free shot everyone gets one off this year like it's well, I turned 33 yeah. in March, so that I don't think that theory works for me, unfortunately. No, no, because, you know, your your 33rd year has been cancelled. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so you're 33 again in next March. I'm so happy to hear it. It's official. <laughs> I read it somewhere. Yeah, no, I think I read the same article. Uh, I, 
I wrote it somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to reference it whenever I quote. Good, good, good. Yeah, it'll, it'll hold up to quote a little Paul said. <laughs> the, ba- no, the balanced runner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> What's That'll get me across the sure. line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because I feel like, a, especially the athletes that I talk to, so many of them say that their coping mechanism for difficult times in life is, is so often running. And in that time where you said, you, you know, you, you're in stage four lockdown, you'd hurt your back, you obviously weren't running. What, um, how do you navigate that period of time where, you, where you're just trying to, I guess, fill in a little bit of space with not a heap to do? Can I be blunt? Yeah. Alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. It's as unhealthy as that is. And, and you know, like I, I make a joke about it and it wasn't that, like I wasn't using it like that. But it was, you know, because you're filling your day with nothing. So there's there's some you know there's some Netflix there's a, a bit of reading you know I work what I could do, but then it's like oh, when can I have a yeah it wouldn't be too many maybe two or three but it'd just be like you know that kind of all of a sudden that becomes a an unhealthy I get it an unhealthy thing to to do, um, yeah so I guess a little bit raw but that's probably probably what was happening and and I'm probably a little bit different that I, that that I probably don't use running as much as that. Um, coping mechanism is what a lot of people do i love it and i do it because i love it so when things aren't going so well like that's when running can drop off for me because it kind of gets influenced and affected by everything that's happening in my life rather than needing that to allow that to affect everything in my life mm. um so it's probably a little bit different in, in in that regard good bad no idea but that's probably you know my my outlook on it yeah sure yeah no it's interesting it's actually funny i've been listening to um Xavier Ellis used to play for for Hawthorne Footy Club, and he recently he kickstarted X-Man. a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kickstarted the podcast. It's time for a beer. And <clears throat> I listened to one of his episodes the other day, and he's like, "Mate, at the best of times, I've got a reputation for having a couple of sneaky beers." But he goes, "It's amazing how quickly I can lean on it when there's absolutely nothing else to do, and there's a six pack in the fridge." Um, it's a it's a pretty easy thing to. I've heard that a lot of times. I was actually listening to Joe Rogan yesterday, who who said he was interviewing this chick called Bridget Fetacy, and she was like, "Oh, mate, I'm I'm sober now." But uh, in a period like this, ten years ago, she's like the amount of alcohol I would have consumed would have just gone through the roof. I never got a taste for it, so I'm um I've got a sparkling mineral water here, which is a humble brag at how healthy I am. Uh, yep. But um, but which is yep. which is probably lucky, honestly, because with the amount of time that you have up your sleeve, as you say, um, yeah, you can you can see how people sort of lean back on that. But man, do, I want to tell me, is, it, is it too early for a drink yet? And and again, I know it's unhealthy, but that's that's the reality of when you are in that lockdown. Like I'm in that, you know, the, the place that you came. To the last time that's that's my house yeah so there's not it's not a lot luckily that the uh since the um we're going into summer that front area has some sun three or four hours a day which is great so it's not like a prison where you have like you can see the sun but you can't feel it so there's actually a little bit here but yeah luckily there's literally when you, you're trying to fill your day yeah it's interesting how much uh for people who haven't haven't heard a lot about you so obviously you've had it you just mentioned there that hockey was was your background originally you didn't come necessarily from a running background but you just became fascinated in the technical side of the sport, which is we'll, we'll get into soon, like when we speak about technique and, um, you know, some of the elements that people can look at improving and, and, and the ways that you're helping people. But um, do you want to just give it like a, a little bit of an overview for people who who haven't heard your story on the, the members podcast as to, how you, as to how you got yourself into the, the running world and started working with some athletes? Um, yeah, so like my, my sporting background, as you, as you mentioned, was, was hockey. started playing at four. Um, I grew up in Canberra, so my my whole family um, played, and I got a, an older brother and sister who was you know six and seven years older, so they were already playing. So what I saw, I did, um, and was playing hockey up until probably 
you know, 15, I think 16 by, that was when I first probably got into like a, an institute of sport. So like a, a Victorian institute of sport for, for Canberra. So the ACTAS, um, and started playing kind of around that elite level by the time 17, 18. So national league, uh, played overseas for six years professionally in, in Europe, both Spain and, and, and Holland. I think the, the running side, like I was always really, I always loved running even as a part of hockey. Um, whilst it is, you know, repeat sprint, change of direction, there is that, you know, the, the high, high intensity fitness element, which I loved doing the running training for, but also just the purity of running. And even at a young age, you know, 15, 16, I always used to, you know, take myself off and go for a run whilst only small, <laughs> you know, com- comparably. Um, it was about 17, 18 that I started to take a real interest in the movement itself. So we had a, a strength and conditioning slash speed training coach for for hockey who started to do a similar thing and i just remember going out myself running and, and hearing different two different sounds when i was running um being when i'm landing when i'm you know making my movements and it just didn't seem right to me like it's like that doesn't make sense it's a it's a bilateral movement it should sound pretty similar at least if not the same and just started to kind of tinker around with my own movements and, and not footfall not foot landing but more about up the chain that influences down the chain. And um, when I mentioned this to the to the, the coach that I talked about, he goes, yeah, that's kind of what what avenue I'm starting to take and, and you know, having a body awareness to then change movement because if you don't have that perception then you can't change it or understand what the two are. So that probably was where it started. Um, we did PA teaching, sports science at, at uni, so I had that kind of, you know, that coaching, teaching sports science background, which, which all fed into, you know, what I'm doing. And, and even what I was doing was learning with and, and, and from um, uh, that guy Lex up in Canberra. Until when I stopped playing hockey, I just started working with a few friends who were doing triathlons, who were running, and, and it just built from there. Like, so from, from word of mouth and, and successful results, it just kind of, yeah, grew over the last probably, you know, four to five years. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain a little bit on what we spoke about on the last podcast because I don't want to double up too much for the people who have heard the first one. But I think I'm, that my, my first introduction to you or my, my first time I really got a good look at what it was that you do, I've got to make Brenton Ford who who runs a, a swimming company called Effortless Swimming and he's right into the, the technical side of swimming which is obviously recognised as being essential in the swimming world. Similar to golf, obviously, like if you want to improve either of those sports, I think technique's often the first thing that you think about. But for whatever reason, in the distance running scene specifically, um, I've grown up in it and I felt like to come across technique advice was few and far between. And the technique advice that you did come up with was, I think we were joking about the blog articles that we um, come across sometimes on the internet, which is like, all right, you want to run better, hold your shoulders more still, run tall, um, run on your toes and float through the air and <laughs> whatever think, they want to think like run like yeah, think okay. like <laughs> and it's just so unhelpful because you go out and you're like all right even if i was dedicated to actually putting these tips into action it's like mate i don't i don't know i've been running for 20 years and i still don't really know what it means to run light like i know what it looks like and i know what it looks like when Stuart mcswain runs he looks like he's running pretty light but i don't yeah. i don't know how to do that in a practical sense but um the the thing that i'm sort of impressed with and the thing that i'm fascinated by is just the approach that you've taken to to help distance runners see the importance of it because i think obviously someone in triathlon or even the football is like the last 12 months i've been amazed at the interest that there is in the running scene in the football world i knew it was important i've got a background in footy so i know the 
um, you know, I know the, the the training and stuff that they do pre-season, but just the need that there is for that. I think that you, you, you get a triathlete with swimming and cycling and you get a footballer who's, you know, open to the advice of someone from the running world and they they seem a little bit more open to the technique side generally. Uh, but the distance running scene, it seems that a lot of the focus is on, all right, let's see how far we can run, how often we can run without getting injured. And technique seems to be a little forgotten in comparison to the other elements. Well, I think the, the, the detail of the technique gets gets lost or, or forgotten as well. So I know I know a couple of coaches and, and um, you know, we spoke about Hayley, like growing up, she was very much given focus on on some technique or, or, or technique involved in it, um, whilst semi basic still important so i think i think i always find it amusing that um that uh whilst it hasn't been important in the distance running there's still coaches that will give advice on it you know well if it's not important don't give advice but if you're going to give advice give it properly so there's there's no one or the other like but they have a foot in both camps so i know it's not important but you know run tall and do this and you go so you've given shit cues after saying it's not important you know like it's it's just doubling down on what again it doesn't make sense to me um, and I think we spoke about it on the first time. It's like if it hasn't been done well, so why would you promote it? You know, like it's like a restaurant. If they make shit food, you're not going to promote it. So if, if people didn't give good advice on technique, then why would you promote it? So in particularly in that kind of the distance um, running particularly, why would you do it? Mm. So I think that's the difference is once it's once anything's done well, then all of a sudden people will promote it because it's, oh, no, I've got something out of it. I've, I've personally felt a difference and a change and I am running better because of ABMC. So I think that's probably the difference as well, like historically if it hasn't done well. Right? The, the difference with the triathlon scene in particular that I've seen is, is um, they're much more early adapters because they have to be. You know, and, and they'll jump at even some of the, the shit side of stuff as well, you know, like because they're three sports and they have to do or they have less time to do all three. They have to do them as well as possible. Funnily enough, they probably do all three pretty. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, Controversial, what, controversial. What, but but, but yeah. how could you not? Yeah. You know, it, it's like trying to play three different sports, like hockey, tennis and, and football in a week and trying to perform all three of them on a day. Like, of course, your skill set isn't going to be quite as good because you're trying to do three and you're trying to do them at the best of your ability. But what it does mean is you can get easier gains from at least technique and technical side of being you know, pretty clear and clinical. So the bike setup, nail it, cool, that's one thing, and, and be good at it. So at least you're getting the most out of each stroke. Swimming, more important, you know, even just in a, in a soul sport sense, because if you don't get the most out of it, then the hydrodynamics just kills you. And and then running is 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 similar. Like it's the same. If you're not getting the most out of each step, and or you're spending a long time on each step, then you're just getting cooked each time. So they've they've probably jumped on board a little bit quicker because then out of necessity. And it's like, oh, okay, that could be a free win, which it is. Yeah, I often see you posting on um, on Instagram of of some of the athletes and stuff that you're working with, and there seems to be a pretty good range of. Uh, I'm always impressed to see the footballers. One that stood out to me was, I can't remember the team, maybe Sandringham, the VFL team, one of the big Ruckmans that you'd been working with. Oh, uh, no, um, Coburg. Coburg. Coburg, was it? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, mate. I've got my little little Charlie. Can you hear Charlie piping up in the background here? I have a little bit. Well, I had my dog crying a second ago, so that was okay. Oh, beautiful. No, I, think, I was laughing. I've, I've become the king editor to try and block it out, but I, I think I'm just going to give up and just let, <laughs> just let him grow up on the podcast. Um, Why not? Yeah, so 
When you, th- this is what I'm fascinated by, and I, I know you say there's there's not one size fits all, and rightly so when it comes to improving technique, because not all technique is the same, and the way athletes move is is not the same. But just for for anyone who's listened to to you speak about technique and think, all right, like there's this is something that I really do need to focus on, regardless of what the sport they're in. Um, for any distance runner out there who's who's focused on improving and running more efficiently, it's really a, it's an essential part of your sport. Like, wh- what's the process that you take them through when you say, all right, um, you've got a booking they come down meet you at the oval or wherever you are um what process do you go through with them in order to find you know the little intricacies that they can improve and, and what is it that you're looking for to help them improve so probably take a step back once they do inquire like i get an understanding of their um their history like their, their running history or the sporting background whether it be um injury or, or just what they've done so i get a little bit of an idea of where they're coming from so that when I do turn up, I do have a little bit of an understanding of, of, of what they have kind of gone through. But then, you know, the first part is allowing them to tell their story, you know, like listening to their story, how, how they've come to where they are and, and we've met. So I can kind of understand again a little bit more about them because the, the process of an actual session is, if I explain it at the start of the session, it's kind of broken up into three parts. And, and the first part is, getting them to understand and then feel the movements that they currently make throughout the entire body. So it's not just a, it's, a, it's not, not just like a, you know, top to bottom, what does that feel like? It's, it's piece by piece, how they move, how they position, what is happening and the sequence of those movements that they can feel it. Once they can feel it, I can explain to them what that is or isn't doing for them and how that actually affects um, their loading patterns or, or how they actually produce force to move forwards. Now, how that position actually influences it. So it's, it's almost like painting the current picture or telling that current story in a manner that they can feel and then therefore explain. And even just listening to their story to start with, I can use you know language that they use so that they can better understand it and use examples that they use. So, um, you know, so for that football player that you just mentioned, like being able to actually relate it into terms that he can understand in a football sense, <clears throat> you know, like and, and saying how that can work or, or not work for him. So it becomes understandable for him. Then make the change, get them feeling what that change has done, but then compare the two. So the whole idea between, you know, coaching and teaching is you can tell someone what to do. And you can get them to do it. But if they don't understand the difference of where they've come from and what they're trying to um, replicate, and once you leave them, they can't create that movement pattern, that habit, that routine. And even if you are next to them and you haven't created that difference or that perspective of difference, you'll just be telling them, no, do this, no, do this, no, do this. And I'm, fuck, I thought I was. And it's not until they can actually feel the difference and they go, oh, geez, I slid back into old. So... That process is very much a, like a self-awareness, not self-guided, but self-understood process to then at the end, the person goes, well, I'm running better because of A, B, and C. And if they don't feel like they are running better, then I haven't done my job and it isn't the right cue for them. So it's one of those really unique processes where you, at the end of the hour or half hour, if it's the kind of the follow-up, it's I am running better because I am doing this and this is how I continue to replicate it. If I'm not doing it, I will feel this, this, and this, which will mean I switch on again. And that's probably the process of the session. Yeah, no, beautiful. So um, when it comes to, to technique, I guess like a running coach, no matter how fast I was running when I was running or, or no matter what level an athlete's running at, 
it's always good to have that outside perspective just to make sure you're keeping them accountable and make sure that despite the improvements, they're not slipping back into old habits. But is there a, a certain period of time that you work with a particular athlete for? Because I know you've got a number of athletes that you've worked with for years, um, yeah. but is there a recommended period of time that someone out there who is maybe struggling with injury or is struggling with, um, you know, just fatigue through inefficient use of their their technique, is there a, a recommended period of time that you'd say to them, hey, all right, we'll work together for six months? Or, or how do you approach that? Um, yeah, so... It, it, and like what you've kind of touched on is that it depends on where the athlete wants to get to with their running. And as, as I said, like I've worked with a few athletes for, for many a years because they're trying to continually get better over and over. And like anything, if you continue to get coaching, you can continue to refine and improve. Um, if someone turns up injured, I always try and say, you know, try and get three or four steps removed from the pattern of movement that you're making repeatedly to create that injury. So it's like, give me at least you know, two, three, four sessions to move away from that start point. Then it can be go from there and, and you know, then it starts to go into you know, maybe more of a performance side of things. Um, to give a rough estimate, you know, anywhere between kind of four and six sessions. So that's like that four, you know, three, four, six months. <clears throat> and you can have a really good base of an understanding um, of different cues to use for future. So that gives you a really good reference point. Then if you want to just like refine and go to, to that kind of performance side, then it's let's just kind of keep catching up every four, six weeks. So you just kind of check in. And, and, and some people would come and do a three or four sessions. It's great because then they feel comfortable enough to go, okay, well, I'm starting to feel a little niggle here and I'll come back, you know, four months later and I'll do two or three sessions and then you kind of refine it's great, you know, back into that point. So it's giving them the understanding that they can come and go as they please as well. But it's very much, yeah, get a good base from probably you know, four sessions, four to six, and then and off you go and come back, or you just kind of keep chipping away. Yeah, beautiful. What, what I like about what you do is, and it's sort of contrary to a way, uh, a lot of ways that people are trying to promote their businesses these days is, it's not, it's, you haven't built it through spam. You haven't built it through, all right, I'm going to come up with the most effective marketing list and Instagram profile and make sure that I'm contacting these. It's, it seems like a lot of word of mouth. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many elite athletes that I'll chat to who I'll mention your name and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, like the, the technique guy. I go, yeah, of course. And it, it's such a cool reputation to have because it's not just built through, as I said, fluff and spam and smoke and mirrors or whatever. It's actually built through, um, years and years of just continually showing up and actually having people go out to training. And last time we caught up, you were telling me about uh, an athlete that you'd been working with for a little while. I can't remember his name. You might you might have to refresh my memory. And he got out to training and they said, oh, gee, such and such is just moving beautifully. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, I've been working with with Paul McKinnon, balance runner. And and that seems to be the way that the message got out. And I, I, it's, it's something I admire. It's something I like because it's just it's so easy just to build – build a business up on bullshit and once you get to the substance of it there's really nothing there apart from good marketing whereas yeah. marketing doesn't seem to be a part of what you do at all it just seems to be all right let the results speak for themselves well yeah james hansen i reckon was the guy that you're talking about um you know he was he was he is a an elite 1500 meter runner and he's always known to muscle his way through and it's like he was he was always called brave like i remember him saying we started this year he goes I was always called, you know, like brave race, like I was brave. And he goes, I always wore that as a bit of a badge of honor. I thought it was good. He goes, but I'm starting to realize now that it was just that I looked muscle, like I was muscling through it. It wasn't because I was running well. 
And he said, I didn't realize that. He goes, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm brave and courageous. He goes, because I was looking shit but still going fast. So he was the one that turned up and, and, um, and uh, I think it was Risley that said, geez, you're moving, like, geez, you're moving a lot better, like a lot smoother. And that was kind of that. And, and I, was, I was really chuffed because when James did say, oh, yeah, I've been doing stuff with Paul, he goes, oh, yeah, you know, the balanced runner. So, like, that's, and that's, that's what you were talking about. So I was pretty stoked with it as well. I think on the marketing side, it's like well, you don't, not that you don't need to, but the best type of marketing is actually doing what you say you do really well. And if you do what you say you do and you do it really well, then the word will spread or things will, people will talk about it. And particularly in kind of more of a, the fortunate side of the, uh, the fortunate side that I'm in is that there's not a lot of people or the competition is low. So if there was a huge competition and you're still really good at what you do, you know, there, I'm sure there's a heap of people within, say, the fitness industry. Like, you know, PT was fucking phenomenal at what they do. But they do need to market themselves or they do need to find avenues because there is shit people who market themselves really well making a lot. You know, so I think in, in this case, it's if you do what you do really well, that's enough marketing. Yeah, it's so true. I reckon part of the reason that the competition is is so low, as you say, is because like on a surface level, you'll have the coaches who are taking care of the running coaching things and saying, okay, technique's not important, like what we were saying earlier, and then say run light, run tall, run relaxed. Um, but beyond that, it's it's really hard to give more than than fluffy answers. So it wouldn't take too long to get caught out in that department. So I actually don't – I can't think of, of many people at all in Australia at least who who focus on this and, and do it really well. And uh, and as you say, like to have a bloke like Risley, who's probably probably the smoothest runner in Australian sport, <laughs> is a uh, is a pretty nice fella to to sort of observe that. But uh, once you're out there and you're you're working with these uh, these athletes, I know you're you're not a physio or anything like that. Are you prescribing certain exercises to help these guys, you know, develop more efficiency, or is it is it purely about the little cues and things that that you're picking up when you're when you're watching them run? Um, yeah, look, I, I leave. I leave those kind of things like, you know, strength conditioning or exercises to the to professionals. So just like I'd you know, yep. say the same thing about me is I'd leave it to them. If someone asks for a few things that they could do um, in regards to maybe little niggles or something like that, if I've had those niggles and I've had experience in that and, and had good experiences with a few things that I've done, I'll tell them that. But it's not like, okay, you need to do this this many times a day. But if there's there's something particular like – um. You know, like tendinopathy research recently and, and, and how that, that treatment has progressed. They're still in that kind of transition phase through through treatment. Um, and, and some people will go to to practitioners who probably aren't yet up up to date with it. And that again, not not a criticism or anything like that, but it's it's the, the research is this, this is working now, and this is how you do it. So I'd probably say, Okay, what are you doing? and ask the questions. And if they're doing all the right things, let them go. Like I don't need to give advice on that. But if they're not and there has been proven beneficial ways of now um, treating it, then I say, okay, maybe look into this or look into this person who specialises in this specific injury. So that's probably more along those lines. Yeah. My, yeah, mine's more about movement specific, how, how to get that movement to tap into the work that they have been doing in the strength um, department or in the re- rehabilitation. So that, that movement aligns with um, – the work that they're doing in the other parts to the puzzle yeah yeah no that sounds good i think um for anyone who wants to have a bit of an idea of what you do and i know we did talk about this briefly on the last podcast triathlon taron who's the american bloke got a like a popular youtube channel canadian 
Canadian. Uh, Canadian, is he? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a massive fan of this show. He'll be so disappointed to hear. <laughs> yeah. He always sends me, sends me messages going, is he in Tyson's last Oh, mate, I'm, I'm busy, man. I've got to get on to it. <laughs> I, um, I, I remember laughing with you because um, there was a little bit of chemistry between you and his wife as you were doing a fire. <laughs> There's a lot of chemistry between you and wives, I've realised today. But um, that's a that's all credit to you. And that's <laughs> my words, not not based on anything that you've ever done purely okay, i can edit this podcast so you just let me know what yeah. you need cut out i don't know if i've complimented you or just insulted you today you've got jordan to your chemistry with wives oh, that was an insult no, that was a positive no, that's yeah. a compliment that's <laughs> looking over my shoulder trying to see the screen so i'm not sure what's in that there's also probably a part to it where you know wives will feel comfortable with me because maybe they're not threatened which isn't great <laughs> oh, I've always thought that was the most powerful approach. Um, oh. that's, oh, you know, yeah, that's ridiculous. My wife's looking at me like, what are you talking about? You don't know no, what no, you're no, talking no, about. No, no. <laughs> she, can, she can only hear your side of the conversation. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to impress you. And my wife's standing here going, babe, you, you've got no game. Like, don't try and oh, tell Paul you've got anything. <laughs> so I'm just going to move on with this conversation uh, and take it back to the man who does have game. Um, yourself, that is. So, uh, the as we established, Canadian triathlon Taron jump on YouTube, type in Balance Runner and Triathlon Taron because you obviously, you took him through an, a number of, number of sessions and it was via via video, which is really cool because I think when you think of technique, you think, oh, bugger, like he's in Melbourne. I wish I could work with him. But you actually do a lot with people around Australia and around the world um, through the beautiful power of this technology that we're operating right now. So how, how does that work for anyone who's overseas or interstate that might be interested in, you know, getting a little bit of assistance from you? How, how do they go about uh, organising that and and getting their technique sorted via Skype so or whatever. You- yeah, yeah. So the, the similar structure in, in regards to getting an understanding of where they're coming from, what they're, why they want to get something out of it or what, they're, what they've been working on previously. Um, but then getting them to record themselves um, running, sending it to me in like a couple of different angles, front, back, side. So I can actually pour over it a little bit more and look, look over the kind of in, in detail. Um, so you can see like when it's stationary and up until about probably 20 to 30 metres, depending on the, the connection, you can see really, really well and it's really clear. But anything beyond that can start to become a little bit, you know, blur. Obviously, it's a smaller screen. Like I sometimes put it on my TV, which is nicer. But I've seen everything I need to see in the videos because you can slow it down. You can see the minute detail and I know what I'm getting them to feel. So then it just becomes like a similar session where I'm standing you know, at the track or, or the, at the oval, there's a couple of ovals that I do it at. And, and it becomes about, becomes about them, le, le, way less about me seeing what they're doing because I've already seen it. So then it's going through that same process and getting them to feel and do in, you know, a live session where they're running out and back. The only unfortunate thing is if they don't have a tripod or something, they've got a partner that's standing there for an hour holding the camera. So that's not great for them. <laughs> but you know what? They're, they're a happier athlete, so, you know, happier happier partner or friend. Yeah, so the, the process is, is, is really, really similar. You know, have Bluetooth headphones, you chat during the session, you know, run out here, what does this feel like? Could you feel this? Um, what is left and right doing? Is there any difference? What is that different? You know, like, so going through the same process. And it's really good. Like, it's been right from the start. I never, I actually refused to do, like, I had a lot of people inquiring about um, doing online sessions and I almost refused to do it because I just didn't have probably the confidence to start with, but also just an understanding of how I'd go about it. Once I did it and had the same results as a, as a face-to-face session, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And just kind of just went, okay, well, let's, let's that be a part of the, the, the offering as well. 
Yeah. Are you getting athletes to, in that training session, run fresh and then run fatigued? Are you putting them through a pretty significant session or is it just a few strides? So the, the, the entire session probably, the, in particular the first session, you'd be running anywhere between two to three kilometres, probably two and a half, two and a half to three kilometres. But that's spaced over an hour and it's, you know, you run 80 metres, so 40 out, 40 back, chat, 40 out, 40 out, back. You know, so there's very much this kind of – then. Then when you're doing your keel kind of range through a couple of paces, so they're doing it at different paces and they can feel what they need to do at a higher or lower pace and how that works for them. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's pretty low intensity um, mm. and, and certainly low load. So they could do it before a session, they could do it after a run, they could do in the afternoon, whatever it is. Yeah, or they yeah. Could just do it on their rest, on their rest day, and it's still kind of just like an active recovery. I was laughing last time we were chatting because um. From an outsider's perspective, you look at the technique world and you go far out like, all right, he's, he's uh, made these massive improvements in, you know, James Hansen, for example, and you can see the benefits of it. But we were talking about your girlfriend, uh, Hayley, how as a junior, she was just a just for, for those of you who don't know, um, Hayley Tomlinson, as a junior, she used to I think we're about the same age. She's should be 33, 32, maybe. I think she's a year older than you or a year younger. I yeah, yeah, I think she's a year younger because I remember lining up against her for years up until I was about 16 going, I can't believe I'm still about to get smoked by a chick. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, she – I had, do that every morning run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, she I, had not that I can't believe it. It's No, no, I'm just – I'm about to. It's not even I can't believe it. I can believe it. I'm very well aware of it. <laughs> it's so funny. I um, – I used to watch her as a junior, and I honestly remember I was I was so embarrassed as how much I, I just admired a chick that was a year younger than me. Because as a thirteen year old, uh, I might have told you I was living in Perth. She came over for the Australian All School Champs, and she just dominated to such a degree that the next morning, like I think it was on the front of the back of the West Australian, there was just this massive photo of her um, just dominating this sport. And she, pretty pretty nice mover, if I do say so yeah. myself. Um, yeah, yeah. But but she keeps you accountable. I remember you saying that uh, that for for someone of her level, she would look at what you're doing and go, I don't don't quite understand. Like, and I can't help but think it's such a funny uh, representation of athletes who are moving quite well already. They think, oh, or not to not not to sort of just chuck her in this category, but just as an example of what the mindset is with a lot of top athletes. What else can I improve? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Apart from being yeah, patient, yeah. they don't quite yeah. see the benefit of what it Which, is that you do. Yeah, that patience thing. She's not very good at that. That's why she's yeah, not great with the patience. The um, the funniest story I think I told you was that when we first met, that didn't have a high, not not a not a not high regard of what I did, but it was like you know, oh, it's, that's not for me. That was her thought. It was like I don't I don't need that kind of thing, and I didn't say anything. Let it go for quite some time. It was about nine months in, almost twelve months into a dating, and I think I even said. I really respect what I do. She goes, no, I don't, don't respect it. She goes, you know, I just don't think I need it or many people need it like this. And it wasn't until she did get an injury and then she actually said, oh, do you reckon you could have a look to see what, see what if, if there's anything that I'm doing to, to create it? Okay. So I like waited to that point and did the session with her and she's like, oh, Jesus. And then did another one where then she's like, oh, God. And then we kind of found the, the, the root of the problem, I kind of, not third one in and knew the problem is, but it took kind of two or three to get to that and kind of she's never had a hamstring problem again. So she'd gone from this person that is, you know, the, the typical, like a, uh, a common thought, particularly with someone who runs and, and, and was and has been and is still relatively good at it, thinking, well, this is a bit of a crock, to holy shit. And, and she's come around to feel like, yeah, you're right. Like why don't more people do this? And particularly in her process, it's like, 
even the elites in Australia or, you know, competing against the African nations who are phenomenal at it, like they have so much benefit by the time they get to the front line. Why not at least have your technique like pristine so that you can kind of at least have that ahead of them? Because there's not many other things. Don't have altitude. Don't have run running since six to and from school. Don't have, you know, all this other lifestyle stuff. So, so she's completely flipped and now she's almost like the biggest advocate. She's like, Fuck, everyone should be doing this because this is, yeah. It's funny so you say it, and especially if you can get if you can get your closest partner to be uh, pumping up what it is that you're doing, you know you're doing something well because I always tease Jesse. I go, babe, if I get a compliment out of you, I know I'm doing it incredibly well. Because <laughs> <laughs> you might. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you have a you have a little understanding, which is like she's very headstrong. So, you know, to to flip that takes a bit, and yeah, so she's she's quite forthright in those thoughts. That. You should have her as your uh, as like the the testimony at the front of the balancerunner.com just to say hey this is my this is my girlfriend and this is what she said about me so if she's saying that like this is this is legit but that it is but if, if people don't know who she is they're like oh yeah just a partner saying he's good at what he does or what do you know <laughs> it's like oh my mom says I'm good looking yeah. it's got to put the dog out no, no worries <laughs> it is it's like oh yeah I'm sure that's by uh, impartial. Um, man, I'm gonna. I, I don't want to put you under the pump too much here, but about ten minutes or fifteen minutes before uh, you came on the podcast, I thought uh, this is this is the extent of my Instagram skills. I thought oh, it'd be good to <laughs> opportunity to ask him a question. Um, I've got a couple of questions that have come through here, uh, so I thought I'll just fire these at you. And as I said, you had no time to prepare for these, so I'm sorry if any of these are. Uh, I'm reading a couple. I go fire. It. I'm glad I'm not about to be asked. Okay, oh, first well, one. That's, that's nice of you. <laughs> Rusty D43, he said, um, would a balance runner session benefit an 11-year-old? I think he's well, asking on behalf of a couple of his kids because I've seen a few of these guys' posts. Yeah, yeah. So I actually put up a post yesterday saying, um, you know, like running running technique, running is a skill. Running technique is a skill. If you, if you teach your kids young, like they have it for life. So, you know, w- w- as soon as they start learning how to play tennis or, or golf or football or hockey, you know, they start getting technique lessons at four and five and six. So why not why not running? Now, at that level, it's very basic and you'd be doing like one or two things max and kind of giving that just really, really sole movement or foundations of movement because they don't need to know the difference then. Like it could literally, for one-on-one with a little kid, could take 10 or 15 minutes. It's literally feel this one thing. What does it feel like? Do this one thing. Then they don't need logic and reason at that age. Whereas an adult needs to be told why and how and what it is and how that's affecting. At that age, it's very much like, okay, you know, I keep going back to hockey because that's my experience, but hold your hockey stick like this. This is how you swing, hit the ball. You don't need to tell them why. If you get them then to do it repeatedly over and over again, which is running, they'll do it for life and they'll be much better for it. So I've had a few parents doing it. One yesterday, even um, one of my athletes, uh, Mel, her, her daughter is – uh, 13, I think, and we've had a couple of sessions now. She runs beautifully, like, because it's there's a foundation to it. So, yeah, if, if you've got your kids' lessons for, for another sport, what age did you do it then? Why not running? Yeah, that's such a good point. That's a really good point. Like, just becomes more of a habit as they grow up and start practicing it, so it's just more natural by the time they're... Well, running yeah. is a foundation, the foundation skill of, of the majority of sports. You know, so why isn't that focused on before you start kicking a ball? Because if you can't get from point to point, like 
Um, he's doing some work with Luke Bell, uh, Luke, yeah, Luke Bell as well, uh, Luke Power, so the AFL. So he's doing the, you know, the, like the younger junior stuff before he went off to to one of the clubs. And and he said if if players these days can't run, run well, and run for the whole game, they won't get picked up because it is such a foundation sport. And that's when you go into the other end of it. But if it's just for enjoyment, if you just want to be able to run all day for the rest of your life, then yeah, why not start early? Yeah, no, really good point. Um, actually, I reckon I reckon you're going to recognise this name because I think you might have reached out to you a while ago. Great man. I'm going to just chuck that out there as I post this. Instagram name, Craig Runs to Eat Cake. Um, <laughs> is there a right foot strike for running, heel versus midfoot versus forefoot? Um, I believe so, yes, but it's the wrong focal point. Because it's at the end of the extremity, which is the leg, which is influenced by the hips, which is influenced by the torso, which is influenced by the arm. So it's, it's literally the, the end of the, the road. And yet we focus on what is at the end of the road, not what's leading us there. Um, and, and I think that's probably more of the case. So whilst not wanting to answer that question in, in specific terms, yes, it is important. And yes, I believe there is a, a, a more beneficial area. Like if you're landing underneath your body, underneath the mass and, and creating forward propulsion, there's going to be a place that's going to be better for you to take load and prove and, and, and reproduce force. But I don't want to say do it this because I don't want people to go, I'm going to change that strike because this has been said. Yeah, no, really so, good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's influenced by everything above. When you do everything above really well, there is a place where you will land. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, not really good. All right, this is the one I'm nervous for you for because, right. as you as you said, you're happy to to refer. So this is more of a sign of me being disorganised and not getting a question out there earlier, so I could give you some time to think about it. Um, Trady underscore Perez has asked advice for. F- I don't even know what this word means. All right, advice for flexor hallucis injury, please. What's hallucis? I think this very much is sometimes used as an excuse for having bone stress as well so if you think about you know within the shin <clears throat> on the medial side of the shin so the inside of the shin where a lot of people get bone pain but it's also at the back so they think it's actually the rubbing of the muscle against the bone when it's actually just a bone stress ah uh, yep but people don't quite understand um don't quite understand what the the basis of these injuries are yes yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So there's, does. there's like you can get a tendinopathy, um, which kind of creates can can create like an inflammation on it, but then it's very closely located to where you can get bone stress as well. So it can often be um, like it can often be misrepresented or mis- misdiagnosed. So how would you say it? it goes all the way down the inside of the shin, around the inside of the um, uh, the ankle and then down along the bottom of the foot kind of thing out so it's just pretty much kind of the big toe or the base of the big toe but depending on where it's sore depends on if that's the muscle or if it's something else as well so, so it's actually quite a hard one yeah so it's a, particularly when particularly when you don't know where the injury is or where the like the soft tissue injury is or if it is a little bit more bone because they're so so close yeah yeah no that's good i reckon um I'm gonna. So that was tradie underscore press. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. As you say, you when you're not sure, you can you can handball across. Oh, sorry, man. I interrupted you there. The internet froze for a minute. So. No, no, no. That was someone was calling me. I had to just decline. Oh, beautiful. I was gonna say sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. No, awesome. No, no, no. no. Um, 
Yeah, no, no. I, I, oh, look, uh, I'd always think that treatment is one thing. So you, you get, like, you get your treatment, so you could probably get back onto it. You get the treatment based on the, the the information that you're given, whether it's just sightseeing or if there's MRIs or the screens, like to, to know where the is. You get the treatment. Running, and I know this is a little bit, I know this sounds a little bit, or it is probably a little bit biased, but running is a repetitive movement. It is over and over and over again. And if you're getting an injury that builds, it is a stress-related injury, and a stress-related injury is a result of a repeated movement. If your movement is creating stress on an area, it's because of how you are moving that's putting that load. So then it becomes your movement, not a strength thing, not a not always a shoe thing, particularly if it's only a couple of runs a week, like then you can you can probably mask it with with something that, that, that controls or or softens. But running is repeated movement. So if you don't change your movement, you can treat it, but you haven't changed the movement that's created in the first place. You know, like so I always just think what you know, like it's it's change that pattern, whether it be the impact of landing pattern or the impact of propulsion like the force production pattern so that you're actually targeting where you should be targeting and then if if it's if it's a place where you should be targeting is getting sore then you probably just overloaded the injury you know you've gone too far too fast too hard too often too soon yeah nah that's really good there's there's a a couple of different factors to it that's a way to a helicus question that i would have had yeah yeah well yeah and and that's and, and that that area of the Lower leg is particularly that one that runs so far throughout different parts of the lower leg. It's kind of hard. And, and I certainly wouldn't uh, presume or, or, or attempt to um, prescribe or anything without knowing where it is and what it is and how it occurred. Yeah. No, nah, wise man, wise man. That's, uh, that's really <laughs> good. Um, mate, that's – that's pretty much, we've been going for about an hour or so. I don't want to take up too much of your day because I'm sure you're starting to get some, um, I, I saw you celebrating the fact you can be back outside again and work with yeah. some clients face-to-face. Are you, are you out and about today? Yeah, I've got some um, from midday today, a couple of people to, to, to meet up with, which is good. The, the first four days of this week have been crazy because people have wanted to, you know, like, you know, but obviously that eight weeks haven't been able to do anything. So they're like, okay, well, let me know when you're good to start up again and good to start up again on Monday. And it's been a great first four days like super tiring but so good because out and about and actually interacting with people and helping them helping people again yeah man i'm looking out at the uh out at the sunshine i went out on our balcony this morning just to have a little coffee and lap up some of those rays i reckon the next couple of days you've got the you got the perfect setup for the job that you're doing because um mate you'll be glowing in no time oh mate I've been glowing the other end for a little while. A little white. It's funny, like I'll, I'll get I'll get two or three days and there's there's colour straight away. I you know going out to Brisbane once a month used to come back after three or four days and be like, what have you been doing? Yeah, what happened to the sun? This is what happens. Four or five days in and I'm I'm good. Sunscreen no. and all, and just just good good to go. Oh, that's unreal, man.